Hello and welcome to episode number six of Shelf Impactors. In this episode, I have a catch-up call with Lisa Hastings, who is currently the creative director for um, the Leeds-based studio for Parker Williams Design Agency. Lisa and I last caught up in uh, episode number two of the podcast, Shelf Impactors, where we spoke about her background in design and how her career had developed over the years. Uh, We spoke about um, design and cultural differences in the design industry between um, Australia and the UK. She was based in Sydney at the time. Now Lisa is back in the UK. We discuss her recent role she took in Shanghai, China, what it was like adapting to a whole new culture on both a professional and personal level. Um, So without further ado, here is the call. Welcome back, Lise. Thank you for coming back onto the podcast and agreeing to do another one for us. Um, How are you? And thanks a lot for having me back, Mark. It's uh, it's really good to do a second one. So Lise, the last time we spoke, you were um, just about to embark on your journey to work over in Shanghai in China. They were so long ago now. <laughs> I know. Well, I think it's. Are we talking about a year ago now? Twelve months. A year ago today, I was already in Shanghai, and I'd probably been there about two months. Oh wow! So, yeah, but it, it seems like it was so long ago. But even though it was effectively less than a year, that I was still there. Yeah. Well, I know. I know a lot has happened. Even tell us a bit more about it. Um, about the experience, and I, I, I'm intrigued about how much of a culture shock it was for you because. You'd obviously been working in the UK and then had been spent a long stint over in Sydney where I worked with you. And then you were back in the UK and then you went over to Shanghai. So how was that? How was the culture shock? How was it? So, yeah, just after seven years in Sydney, I sort of was looking for a bit of a fresh challenge. And, um, and which was when um, Cowan actually contacted me about a role that they'd got in, in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Never been to Shanghai. And when someone dangles you a carrot and there's a bit of your inner creative going, mm-hmm. that could be interesting. I'd been doing work for China um, from the Vibe Studio as creative director there. Yeah. Uh, but this just seemed like a natural chance to perhaps give it a go. Rather than committing to the full contract, they mm. sort of said, why don't you come for six months, try it, see what you think, and if you want, stay and see how it goes. So, hey, I had nothing to lose, really. Um, so, yeah, took six months, design director of Cowan's, um, a really well-styled agency. So, yeah. again, that, that was part of the decision as well, you know, mm. like I get to work with with a really great branding and design agency. And so were you, were you, oh, Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, I was just going to comment on, were you the only British um, designer out there? What was your team made up of? How, was, how no, did it work? The team was about 50-50 split, I would say. Mm-hmm. So there were an awful lot of purely Chinese or... So um, quite a lot of Malaysian speakers as well. Um, so only about 50% of the team could speak English. Oh, crikey, okay. That <laughs> so must have been quite enough, complex. Of which, of which even the ones that could speak English, probably only about five of them were from England, Australia, and English was their first language. So only about five of the team were that. So that was obviously a shock in itself. Yeah. Um, but more of the shock than anything, and, I, and you know, I've been to Singapore, I've been to Malaysia, so I assumed it would be pretty much the same, but it was just so very, very different from the moment, moment of landing. Um, no one speaks English. Um, signs, anything that you see around and about is not in English. Yeah. You can't go and book a movie and go to the counter and ask for your ticket in English. 
they're not so all of the little things that you just take for granted that you can walk into a subway yeah. and the you know but anything buying a, a train a tube ticket so how did you how did you get about how did you communicate with these people for anything well, these people sorry as, i shouldn't say that creatives, we wing it and we figure it out <laughs> but um but no it was you know i i found a way but by, by for four months in i was working out the apps on my phone and learning what chinese cinemas were which yeah but uh, you just figure it out as you go along but it was honestly one of the hardest things i've ever done ever and i've moved country yeah i've done all sorts of things but launching myself into china was the hardest thing i've ever done and I, i'm assuming that prior to leaving the uk you didn't know a word of chinese no um well, we're talking mandarin cantonese and you're talking sort of malay as well yeah um so Everyone did assure me that in Shanghai, it's easy to live as a Westerner. Um, Shanghai is an amazing place. It's really yeah. multicultural. And I have to say, I can only assume that people see that from two weeks in one of the five-star hotels in very <laughs> in very Westernized areas. There are areas that are Westernized. Yeah. But to understand the Chinese culture, it is not like that at all on a day-to-day -day level. What were your biggest highs of being over there? And what about the lows? I imagine the lows might have been, okay, I'm finding it's hard to communicate on any level, professionally and on a personal level. If I'm just going to get some food, I don't know where I'm going to get my food from. So tell me a little bit, what, what were the big highs? What, what did yeah, you really say, enjoy? Well, I would say, let's do the lows first, because let's do the negatives <laughs> first and then do the highs. So yeah, in terms of communication, it was very isolating. Yeah. You did, like, even just out and about, finding just silly things like gyms and stuff or mm. knowing to um generally people don't have much of a the social life that they have is focused around work or it's it's involving that people start at nine in the morning but they'll still be there at 10 at night yeah. but they'll then take two hours for lunchtime so it's a really different way even of working what we might want to take half an hour for lunch and then go out and then leave on time mm. they don't work like that that said, no one expects me to adapt to the way of their working. We yeah. all work in our own way. We're a creative studio. As long as the work gets done, that's the focus. And is, it, is it a Monday to Friday week or how, how would that well, format Well, it work? is Monday to Friday, but where necessary, you would work on a weekend. The strange yeah. thing to me was that whenever there's a public holiday on a Monday, you work the Saturday after, <laughs> which sort of defeats the whole point of having a public <laughs> holiday in the first place. Yeah, it's just playing catch up, I guess. It, I could see the theory. But, but yeah, because that... it, it is an Australian-owned agency, so they stuck to Australian rules, I suppose. So their yeah. designers were never expected to work weekends unless really necessary. Yeah. And what about the highs then? Give me, give me some of the highs about uh, Oh, the highs are definitely them. the people that I met and worked with. Yeah. The brands and the kind of way I was working there. I was working on a lot more strategic thinking. Mm. Um, partly because a lot of the team around me weren't strategic thinkers. A lot of the designers that were in the studio in Cowan were very much more of a creative artwork thinking. Yeah. They weren't taught to question things. As a culture, they're not taught to question, they're just taught to do. Are we talking about the English-speaking designers who were yes, native to China? or a, a, Both. I would say people who were born, and generally as a culture, they're not taught to question things. Yeah. So just little things. So even the account handlers wouldn't, they wouldn't question a brief, it is what it is. Yeah. And so as a creative person, you go, um, do I have to do that? Or why have we not thought about that concept or that direction? I see. Well, well, we just didn't. There's no 
there's no justification. You'd ask a designer what their opinion was, and a designer, you know, we're we're meant to have opinions. Yeah. It, design is subjective, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but designers that would go, oh, I don't know. You go, but do you, what's your own opinion? It's okay. You don't have to agree with me. What's your opinion? I I'm not sure. So did I mean, you did you get them to try and change that at all? Did you ask them to say, can yeah. we can and we have I some have pushbacks say, on this? Yeah, and I think that was my challenge and where I learned to be probably more of a leader or more of a yeah. someone who can nurture people. I actually love that bit of it. Mm. That when I first got there, working with more of a middleweight designer that wouldn't question anything and the work that would be produced would very much echo something that already exists. Yeah. Uh, perhaps with a little bit more of a Photoshop gloss on it. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of that journey of being there five months and sort of giving them a brief, coming up with concepts that you didn't think they would even possibly come up with. Lovely. And then having an opinion and coming to a meeting and going, why don't we try this? Yeah. That's that's the best feeling ever. Because when I first joined, I was like, oh my goodness, how am I ever gonna, how am I gonna work with this? Yeah, that's lovely. But I, watching people develop is great. I do know exactly what you're saying there. It is brilliant. I actually mm. love to see other people go, oh yeah, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. And challenge themselves what sort of brands were you working on, Lise? I mean, can, can we talk a little about sort of the what, types of brands and what they were and the types of products you were working on? And that, again, was definitely some of the highs. Um, some of the clients, and I was the forefront of going to present to clients. For some reason, they quite liked the Westerner yeah. in the group. <laughs> no. But, you know, it was, it, was a lot, it was a lot of traveling to the middle of nowhere and random meetings at random times. Yeah. But working, with a, working with companies like Nestle, like Disney, mm. presenting concepts to a Disney head office, is brilliant yeah um collaborations with nestle and like i say just some of the bigger brands mm-hmm. um as well as some local brands so like a, a dumex which is a baby food over there a baby milk mm. so also taking it more to a chinese level that it would be a western brand but how it adapts to the chinese market meant me working really closely with our designers that we have who are chinese to understand what they're approached to because their approach to shopping is very different yeah so sorry Liz what I wanted to just clarify then on the design side when you're producing these designs this is the designs are for the Chinese market am I right yeah yeah yeah. a lot of the work we'd work on for the Chinese market okay you know things like a Nestle or we're working on a a Powerade type um, drink as well for Nestle whilst over there so we'll have seen a global guideline right and if you if normally you would roll a global guideline out we would see it in Australia quite a lot. You wouldn't actually get much chance to do the creative on a big brand like Nestle yeah. because it has a guideline and a lot of rules. Mm. But when you roll it out to China, the market is so different. It has to adapt. Yeah. You have to challenge all of the messaging going on on it. Because like you say, language, you have to you have to somehow think about how that communicates to a completely different market. Yeah. I mean, how, did, how are you having to learn that? Was it a case of having to speak to the people within the studio and saying, I've got Definitely. an idea here. Will yeah. this work? And am I offending anyone with this this tone or even the tone of voice you're using? Definitely. And do the words even translate? If yeah. you directly translate what I would say in English into Chinese, some of it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So it was about that. But it was also about, you know, actually living. Like I didn't live in the five-star hotels. Mm. had an Airbnb. And, you know, making sure that you don't live in the areas that are only populated by Westerners if you're Absolutely. designing for the Chinese market. So how did that work? Immersing yourself. What? What's? What, you must have had some highs and lows there, crikey! And immersing yourself. In uh, that. Yeah, and at first it was a bit like, oh my goodness, where do I buy what I need to buy, or where do I source 
even down to food and everyday yeah, things. Yeah, the basics. By the end of it, I was walking into the Chinese market going, ni hao, <laughs> you know, kind of, you, all the little quirks that you do by the end, you do learn without actually realizing you learn. Yes, of course. Wow. So you were out in total. How long were you over in uh, Shanghai for from end to end? I was there for just over five months. Oh, that's a long time by any stretch. And so I, I, just on a, from a personal perspective, what are the types of foods you were eating over there? Because I know that sort of culturally they do eat different foods to what you and I would be used to. Well, as you know, like being a little bit of a weirdo, I'm already paleo. So, um, <laughs> which you would assume is quite easy to do in China because it's lots of meat and yes. lots of fresh vegetables. And there is a lot of that. But there's also a lot of what am I actually eating? Yeah. Is it cat? Is it cat on a stick or something? <laughs> so but you don't know, do you? And you can't even ask, am I eating cat here? And because you can't, a lot of the menus here, we can we could pick a menu and go, can I have that? But can I yeah. just skip the sauce on it? You can't do that. There's no deviation from a menu. Yeah. The menu is in Chinese for a start, so you spend half your time Googling to find out what yeah. it is. <laughs> but once you find the places to go and where you can get things, like, you know, to be able to source the food and then cook it is fine. Mm. And once you do know where to go, there are a few, um, even restaurants and things, you know, like this thing's called Waggers and there's Sprouted. And there are some really good paleo hunter-gatherer places. <laughs> once you know where to go it's fine but it takes you a while to find them and there were a lot of weeks in the first few weeks of going to a mcdonald's asking for a chicken burger but not eating the burger only eating the chicken yeah. <laughs> and even then you weren't actually sure if it was yeah. <laughs> that's not Perhaps the right color yeah <laughs> and what about going into the um bringing it back into sort of a comfortable domain of um fmcg packaging when you're walking into the um I don't even know an example of a retail store over there, but sort of any of the grocery stores. Well, they don't have big supermarkets like we have. Okay. Um, so again, there's a lot of buying your meat from a butchery type person. Right. Um, and the fruit and veg stores, you buy on a stall, you buy it on market. Yeah, love it. Love so it. there were a few supermarkets, but they were very small in comparison and normally at the bottom of big shopping centers. Right. It also, the one thing that I found most challenging about China is how how much of a divide there is between the rich and poor. Yeah. So the contrast there was, was quite different. You would have like the little markets where you go and shop. Mm -hmm. it, it all feels very safe. It, it, it's not that kind of thing. But in your big supermarkets, you're only going to get Westerners or people who earn a lot of money and want to buy into the Western brands. Yeah. So a lot of the brands that we're designing, you're already designing for a more affluent consumer. I understand. Who have aspired to, to Western aspirations, I'm assuming. Yeah. At which point language becomes less of a barrier because yeah. you can include the English language on packaging because mm. they've been educated to learn English. <laughs> and of course, if you've got expats shopping in those um, outlets anyway. Even most, most affluent Chinese would learn English as a second language because yeah. they realize how invaluable it is. And I have to say, China as a nation is one of the smartest academically yeah. ever I've come across. No, no, I understand that too. Um, so then of some of the packs that you were working on, were they dual language? I know I even asked this in the last podcast and I'm still intrigued I've by it. Worked, yeah, I've, I've worked on packaging that was not so much dual, but it would have, it's normally the brand would exist in whatever the brand is. Yeah. But in terms of the secondary messaging, uh -huh. normally it would be in Chinese. Right. But any of the things that were about fiber or about key messages that we would put, normally there would be a real push to make it icons. Mm. Um, because 
it's a very visual country. Yeah. And sorry, I was, I was just going to pick up on the photography and the illustration. So food photography was that something you get inv- you got involved in much on the on the packs? In Ch- in China, I came across, and it might just be the brands or the things I was working on. No food photography happens. It is all photorealistic illustration. Right. Or it's the use of image libraries like Shutterstock. Yeah. Oh wow. So okay. Very very rare. Photo. Yeah. I mean, they're so brilliant at the photorealistic illustration. Yeah. But I missed that. I really missed being involved in it. Well, I love uh, going to photo shoots yeah. and controlling that process. Absolutely. Well, it's so, vital yeah, here. It's vital here. In the, the UK market relies so heavily on um, quality photography that you, yeah. you know, you'd have experienced it before. And I know that in our past lives working with other agencies that yeah. sometimes photography is in part the most important part on any sort of yeah. food packaging. It can packaging. make or break it. Mm. It can make or break the, the answer, can't it? Oh, there's some amazing, amazing photography on packs now nowadays. It's just like looking into sort of beautiful food magazines sometimes. It's great stuff. Now, the brands that you're working on, are they just uh, for the China market or do they spread across into the Japanese market and Malaysia, a Indonesia? Lot them, a lot of them spread across, not so much Japanese, but a lot of them are spread across into um, Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the Asian markets, to be honest, Singapore, Malaysia, um, Japan is quite different. They're a little bit different in yeah. the way they approach design. And mm. um, so, no, it, it doesn't normally play in that market. It was primarily China, though. And here's another intriguing sort of thought, which I, I always find fascinating, certainly when you're working with um, entirely different languages. So on the front of the pack, if you've got a product title, which happens to be in um, Chinese format, you, how do you craft that? Because one of the most important things to us as creatives is to make sure that we can get the letter forms working perfectly on that pack face. Working uh, with different letter forms, are ones that we have no idea really how they work. How, how did you find that? Um, there are very, very... It's what, again, something else that I missed was language. Mm. Um, I, you know me, I'm, I like the copywriting aspect of what yeah. we do. So language is really important, and I did very much miss that. Mm. Um, there are also very, very limited fonts in Chinese. Yes. There are very few. You'd be like every job that you get, there's probably about ten fonts to choose from. Yes. Um, brand logos and things. Obviously, I would work with uh, any of the Chinese designers once we kind of have a name and stuff to go. I'm kind of thinking I would perhaps give them a font in English and go. I want something with a bit of the curving, the personality of this. Mm. How do we get that in Chinese? And they they would have a lot more knowledge of what we can do with it. But it, it's I found it very limiting because then you kind of you're limiting your photography, you're limiting your yeah. typography. What is there left? I know, I know. Looks great. Does it does it at least feel good? Tonally as well, and as far as colours go. So we have, let's say, um, an understanding in the Western world about what colours. Some of it's subconscious actually, and consumers may not necessarily always pick up on it. But we'll have colours which denote certain aspects of a product. So, um, broadly speaking, for dark chocolate, for example, you might be using dark reds and tones. And then for milk chocolate, you might start to use blue hues, blue tones. Is there a similarity to the way in which you were working in China as far as how colour is interpreted? Different colours do mean different things. Mm. Um, Obviously, there are things like... Um, black and red and things like that all mean different things. And yeah. you just again, this is why it's so crucial, in my opinion, to 
immerse yourself. And I, you might have seen that. I wrote an article on Umbrella very much about that, mm. about it's important to really immerse yourself in yeah. that culture. Because I've been designing for China from Australia and probably wouldn't have known how much like using red means very different things in China mm. to what it does using on pack here. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it was really important to pay attention. I felt like my eyes were constantly open, like sources the whole time I was there because you're just trying to take it all in yeah. and process it and then execute it. Yeah, I mean, it's intriguing. As you said, colour plays a huge part in the jobs that we we do. Yeah. Um, and even, let's go, special offers, red and white or... Uh, red and yellow and I, I don't yeah. know whether it's interpreted the same way in somewhere like China so you really have to be incredibly See, careful it's very different because so very much of things are bought fresh there's not as much um supermarkets are very limited in what's packaged the only things that are packaged are more snacks and things yeah so even the amount of the balance of, of brands that are sold in store there's a lot of drinks brands that would involve packaging mm. Um, and a lot of snack brands, but beyond the on the go, most people there would go out for dinner, so you wouldn't buy like ready meals or things for dinner. Yeah, no, it's more fresh, isn't it? More fresh foods, freshly made foods. Yeah. So let's bring things to a, a more of a close. I know this. Uh, I'm sort of taking a sort of bit of time out of your day <laughs> here. Um, what sort of advice would you give to anyone looking to work in the Asian market? If they're Western designers, Western agencies looking to perhaps launch themselves over into the Asian market in some way. When I say Asia, and particularly before we talk about China here, um, do you have any advice for um, designers, how they can equip themselves better uh, to make a greater impact? I think just be open to the fact that it's going to take you very far out of your comfort zone. Mm. And don't go in with a preconceived idea of what it's going to be like. I, I champion anyone to do it, but there are some people I would probably say be very wary, if, especially if you've never launched yourself into another market. Yeah. I would question if China is the right one to do it with first. Yeah. Um, not that saying don't do it. It's one of the best experiences ever. And much like going backpacking or whatever, I imagine, not that I've ever done that one. <laughs> It just teaches you to adapt really quickly and learn really quickly. I think it's one of those, you launch yourself, you'll do it, and you'll either sink or swim. Yeah. And so it very much depends on the kind, think about the kind of person you are before you go, yep, yep, I'll do it. Mm. I, I was completely lucky agree. for me to be able to have a taster of it. Um, would I go back? I yeah. would, but I probably don't think I could live there um, forever and ever. It taught me to appreciate the things that I perhaps had started to take for granted elsewhere on a mm -hmm. life level. Yeah. Uh, but the learnings that you can take from it, any creative should have a go. Well, I think you've, you've touched on it before, is immersing yourself in those environments yeah. you're working with. It's very difficult for someone to try and design remotely. Um, yeah, and... I just what's, what's the worst that can happen? With yeah. creative people, we generally learn and we grow as people yeah. by being around other people. We also need a lot of time... As I enjoyed in China, I enjoyed the isolation as much as the people contact. Mm. I actually quite liked the, the feeling like you were, the loneliness is sometimes quite nice for a creative. Yeah. Because it makes us dig a bit deeper into <laughs> perhaps who we are or the bigger thing around us. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. But I, yeah, I would challenge, if you're comfortable with, like, just jump. Because what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You get on a plane, come back. 
Yeah, no, I think you're very brave in the aspect. In fact, you did it. And, uh, <laughs> I and... say that now. If you'd have asked me in the first month of yes, it, I remember this. I remember. <laughs> no, as I said, I think you're incredibly brave and uh, uh, good on you. You've you've got a skill set now which very few creatives could actually suggest or tell that they have. So now, Lise, you are um, just bringing it back home as such. You're now back back based in the UK. Whereabouts are you living at the moment? Um, I've in the country. moved over to sunny Leeds, as you called it in your little questionnaire for me, Mark. That's it, indeed. Um, Having done the having done the eight years in London, yeah. having done the seven in Sydney, if I was going to move back to the UK, one, it had to be for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and two, it needed to be rather than going back, it's always moving forward to me. Yeah, it is home in that is who I am and it's where I'm from. But it was very much about moving forward. So you know, when I was approached by Parker Williams about working more on strategy, and I get the chance to work with Guy Douglas, who is a great strategist himself. Mm-hmm. Sort of, again, that dangled carrot, it's a little bit too tempting when I'm in a bit of a what to do. Yeah. You know, I've gone back to Sydney. I've been freelancing for a few months until I decided to which project to pick up and marry mm-hmm. myself to next. The, the chance to work with a company like this and, and work on more strategy. Yeah. Um, it, it was a, well, again, try it. Yeah. No, I, I think it's absolutely Leeds, done the right thing. Leeds as a city is brilliant. It is, it is a, quite a little art hub. Yeah, I've not. I've never worked in Leeds. I've been to visit a few times, but um, yeah, I did say it was sunny. I've I've only ever been when it's been raining up there. But I'm sure the sun shines uh, every now and again. Oh, it does. I've got plenty <laughs> of pictures of Granary Wharf first thing in the morning with the sun coming up through the buildings. So, um, so no, it's a great city, and I have to say, if I was going to move back, then it was definitely the right choice to make. I get to work with the London studio really closely anyway, uh-huh. uh, and Joe down there. So I, I kind of get a bit the best the best of both worlds, I suppose. If we could oh, just so. set up a studio in Sydney as well, then life would yes. be a <laughs> Actually, talking about Sydney, I mean, is that, is that, is that, where do you call home now? Are you home, is home UK it's or is very, it home Sydney? What's... It's very difficult, but I think I'm allowed to have two heart homes. Oh, I like it. Okay. So my mum is, is in England and yeah. I'm always, deep down, I'm always a Brit. Mm-hmm. But I'm as much of an Aussie as well. Um, I'm trying to retain a bit of the accent and not turn to Yorkshire. Yeah, I've, I've, there's a little bit of Yorkshire coming through there, but I, I, I can hear a bit of a bit of Sydney as well. So you've got that sort of that lovely mix. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to keep flying between them all in a dream world so that I can still retain that accent. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've got another thing down here. It's a, a question and a statement actually about uh, more of your travels and how all these travels that you've been doing in recent years. And my, the question would have been. Are you finding it's helping with your design approaches and your strategic thinking and thought processes around your design projects? Has is the travel and has the travel helped in the way in which you think? Well, one thing it has really helped me with, and I, obviously it's linked to travel, is the fact that I've worked with some really good people, yourself included, Mark. That I've I've had some great creative directors um, throughout my own time, and some great just generally people that I've worked with in Sydney to learn as much as I can from them, Mm. but only to take the aspects that I think are valuable Mm -hmm. um, and kind of roll that into how I am as a creative director. I don't like to say, what type of creative director are you? I don't really have a, I'm a type. It's just a title at the end of the day. But the way that I work and the way that I try and approach people and nurture and grow a studio to get really awesome work is really, you know, and happy clients is the dream. Mm. Um, but I feel like it's very much mine because of all the different experiences I've had. 
I think if I'd always worked in the same place and had the same creative director, you become quite, this is how it is. Yeah, no, I agree. So I've seen so many different sides to it. Mm. And even, you know, like I'm not one to, I'm not really into freelance. It's not my thing. Yeah. I prefer to be part of something. Mm. But I did do a few months of freelance before I left Sydney. And even that allowed me to see even more of how different spaces work and, and adapt and, and nurture their own clients and cultures. It and so does. hopefully I can wrap a bit of those good bits and snippets into how I am now. Listen, Liz, I do not doubt you are going to have, you've got an incredible <laughs> career ahead of you. You've had a credible, incredible career so far. You've got some really exciting projects I know you're working on right now. Um, and who knows, you could be in Sydney in the next few years. You could be in... <laughs> Um, Tokyo, you could be, who knows, New York, there's a, a whole plethora of beautiful cities you could go to, um, or you could be in Leeds, who knows, for the, for the rest of your time as a designer, <laughs> as a creative director. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> now, look, Lise, um, thank you ever so much. There's answered so many questions I've had about um, how your time was in China. I was intrigued to learn about how the sort of the packaging. Yeah, and guys, if, you haven't, if, if anyone hasn't checked it out, there is a really boring, slightly longer written piece on Mumbrella. Um, okay. So it gave me the chance to do a bit more writing out there because oh. it was my way of escaping. Well, I'll, I'll put the link to that. Send me that across this email it to I me, and I'll put I'll, it into the, the show notes. I will. I'll put um, it and I'll, I'll put in any all the other contact details in there. So, anyone else wants to get in contact with Lise or see some of Lise's work or see what she's <laughs> other things, um, I'll put those in there as well. So, Lise, thank you ever so much, and. We may have another Skype call in about 12 months' time for another catch-up in the latest instalment of Lisa's Travels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lisa, thank you ever so much. Have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll speak soon. Bye.